Uh, last week I gave you uh, a little bit something to do during the church service and it was to write out a six word description of your spiritual walk and I want to thank you for filling that out. I think there was about 62 people who responded um, and uh, it, was, um, it was good to read uh, what you all wrote. Um, and just to be honest, uh, some of you wrote of great love and great joy and a good walk with Jesus. And also some of you wrote that life is tough right now and the walk with Jesus is tough right now. And um, if that is true, I just want you to know that you are extremely welcome here no matter where your walk is. No matter if you feel real loved by the good, good father or you don't. This place, Bethesda Church, is a home for those who feel secure and those who are seeking. Um, so you are all welcomed here, and our prayer is that um, every one of us would know the love of the good, good Father and be able to sit and rest in that love. And we want to talk about trust a little bit uh, today. How many fathers here, when your children, when you had a young child, that you would grab them underneath the arms and throw them up into the air? Yes, thank you for being honest. Um, I, ever, ever, did you ever cross your mind that you terrified your child? Um, being thrown up in the air and hoping that they, would, that they would be caught. And of course, if you're the mom who was watching that, uh, you maybe were even more terrified, thinking that your husband was going to drop this child on the, on the ground. But I remember throwing my kids up in the air, and with some of them, sometimes there was a shout of glee. At least I assumed it was a shout of glee. It could have been a shout of abject terror. Um, but we would throw them up in the air and we would catch them. And um, Even after you did that, I would find my children returning to me, which tells me that they had a certain amount of trust in Dad. Dad is not going to drop them. Um, even if they didn't want to necessarily be thrown in the air, they would continue to come back. They would trust dad to do um, the good, good thing. Um, and they always had ways of getting back at dad. I remember taking our firstborn um, and putting her on my shoulders and running around the parking lot at the church where we were serving. And fortunately, or maybe unfortunately, I had hair at that time. But all of a sudden, I felt this ooey-gooey thing sinking down through my hair, and I realized I had run and bounced so much that I made my poor child sick to her stomach. And so she thought she would share that with Dad. Um, so she did get back uh, to me. And Trinity, if you're watching from Bolivia, thank you. Um, I still remember that opportunity. We're going to talk about trust a little bit. We're in the Sermon on the Mount, and in chapter 6, starting at verse 19 and going to the end of the chapter, um, we want to talk about the aspect 
of what we are to do as those who desire to live in God's kingdom. And remember we said that God's kingdom is here and now among us. It's not just something that's far away in heaven, but it's here and now. For those who are followers of Jesus, who have surrendered their life to him, they are kingdom people. And you, as followers of Jesus, are kingdom people. And yet, as we saw, seen so far in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, uh, his words about kingdom living, it's not always an easier, easiest place to live. Uh, I called this series the upside-down kingdom. God's kingdom does not look like the kingdom of these worlds or the governments or the nations of this world. It is radically different. So um, this section is divided up into uh, some smaller sections. I want to read through it and make a couple comments and um, just remember uh, the kind of trust we are to have. Starting in verse 19, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. We want the right treasures in the right place. That place would be in the very midst of God. That that's where we would place our treasure in Jesus, in the Godhead. That we would uh, be looking to hold on to things in this world that we can hold on to in the next. So the question that arises is, what are those things? What are the kinds of treasures we need to store up? I think we can classify it this way. They are righteous deeds that find its reward in Christ. It could be suffering for Christ. It could be loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. It could be expressing love to family, love to God. It can be uh, the treasure of obedience. Obedience is always a good thing especially when it's obeying God and his word. I have found by personal experience that when I, by the strength of the Holy Spirit, am able to live in obedience to God, it changes my heart. I'm at peace. I don't have to run from God. And then there are times that I have been disobedient to the way of God. And I have always found that I have to run from God. I have to hide. But we need to remember that in Psalm 139, the psalmist says, There is no place I can hide from God, that I can run from God. But I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I've tried to run. 
and tried to hide, especially when I've been disobedient. But obedience to God, obedience to Christ, obedience to the Spirit is one of the righteous deeds that are to be a treasure for us, and it will affect our eternity. It may be the treasure of witness, of living for Christ and sharing the news of the gospel. It could be our relationship with Christ, our hope in Christ. These are the things, just some of the things, that we need to hold as treasure. I think we, many of us, experienced in this last year the treasure of fellowship. We had times when we um, did not meet at a church in the building. There were times that even when we started to meet, we tried to keep ourselves away from people. There were not the hearty handshakes and the embracing hugs. And thankfully, many of us are rejoicing now, and we find out that fellowship, meeting with God's people, meeting with our brothers and sisters is um, a true treasure. We may not have known what the treasure, how much of a treasure it was when we couldn't meet. And hopefully we will continue to hold that treasure and not get uh, lazy in our fellowship. Verses 22 to 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Then if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The eye is the lamp of the body. It's really, and then it says, the eye is healthy. It might be better to read that, that the eye is clear. It's sincere, the Greek language would have us know. It's sincere, it's clear, it sees what it's supposed to see. And when our eyes are working, we don't bump into things. We know which way to go in life if our eyes are clear. I'm sure there's a number of you that made that trip late at night from the bedroom to the kitchen. Dads are famous for that. Wake up in the middle of the night. And so we don't want to wake anybody up, so what do we do? We leave the light off. I don't know how many times I've banged my shin, busted my toe, trying to get to the cookie jar late at night. When it's dark, we can't see. And the scripture here talks about if we think we can see when our eyes are unhealthy, how dark that seeing is. It's just not dark, it's really dark. Because we've fooled ourselves. We think that we can walk in the darkness without any problem. But Christ says, if our eyes aren't clear, if they aren't healthy, we are um, going to hurt ourselves in the darkness. 
But the eye is to be the lamp of the body. It's to be open. It's to be healthy. And as we see the light of this world, we see things in wisdom and in truth, and our lives are better for it. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. We need to realize that there is a choice in the kingdom, really one choice, and that is to serve God or not serve God. We are not given a grayscale. We are uh, given to choose between light or darkness against truth or falsehood. We are given the responsibility to choose God or to choose self. Now the things of this world can preoccupy our mind. Um, Having wealth, money in the bank, can preoccupy our minds. I know those of you who are farmers and ranchers right now are preoccupied by the fact that rain hasn't fallen the way we need it. The things of this world can preoccupy our minds. We can go off into long tangents in the wrong way. Sometimes with our family around the dinner table, we've kind of played this game a couple times. I say to those gathered, I'll say, if you had $2 billion, what would you do? And you begin to dream, and your mind is preoccupied with wealth. I think it was my son-in-law, DDA, who said, I would have a house in every state. That's a good idea. So when it's bad in South Dakota, you, you know, go to Oregon. I don't know where you'd go from South Dakota. You know, it's perfect here. You need to get out more. Um, but our minds became around that table, became preoccupied with wealth. And the, the dangerous thing is you start thinking, go, that is the better way. All the things that I could do if I had a couple billion dollars. God says, I don't want you to be preoccupied with the things of this world. I want you to be preoccupied with me. Choose God. Therefore, he says, do not, I tell you this, do not be anxious about your life. And that word anxious is, is an imperative for us. God, Jesus is not suggesting not being anxious. But not. Do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not more valuable or more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of your life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil or spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what we should drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his, his kingdom, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Better... Uh, translated even malice or evil. Do not be anxious. Anxiousness started in Genesis 3. Do you realize that? When God told Adam after he sinned, he said, you are being sent out of the garden and you will toil for food to bring forth food from the ground. We will toil for that. And some says, versions say, with the sweat of your brow. And that word there is, is anxious. You will always be anxious for some kind of produce. And the ground will not yield it. Oh, Adam, if you had not sinned and stayed in the garden, you would have plenty. You would have worked. You had work to do, but you wouldn't be anxious about it. God feeds the birds. And I, when I read that passage, it, it made me remember um, a dear old saint, Gladys Bordelais. She was in our church in Crescent City. And we were kind of talking around this passage a little bit. And she said, look at the birds of the air. They God gives them, you know, provides for them. And she was quick to say, she goes, but you notice God doesn't drop the worms or the seed in the nest. God provides for them, but that bird's got to go out and get it. Bird feeder or picking around in the ground for bugs and worms. We are, even though God provides for us, we still have a responsibility to go out and to work. To do what God has given us strength to do. To seek God. In all of this passage, we come to the thought of trust. We will either lay up treasures in heaven or treasures on earth based upon our trust in God. If we don't trust him, then we're going to lay up stuff for us here. If we don't trust him to lead us with a clear eye, we will walk in darkness. 
If he would rather serve the masters of this world and the master even, as Jesus says here, the master of money, we will serve that if we don't trust God. And we will continue to be anxious, thinking that we have to um, work and work and work and work and wonder if we will have for tomorrow. The anxiousness here, I think it needs to be stated, the anxiousness here is not like having the um, medical issue of anxiety. That really is different than what's talked about here. That still needs to be covered by um, God's faithfulness and God's love. So we were called to, in this passage, in these words today, to either trust self or to trust God. Trust self or trust God. Now, you may ask the question, why in the world should I trust God? Why? Well, let me just encourage you to consider the very character and attributes of God. Let me just read through them. God is infinite, always has been. God is immutable. He does not change. He is self-sufficient. He doesn't need anybody to add to him. He is omnipresent. He is always with you. He is omniscient. He knows all things, past and present and future. He is omnipotent. He has all the power that is needed to accomplish what is needed. He is wise and faithful, and as we sang today, he is good. He is just, and he is merciful. He is gracious, and he is holy. Maybe the one for us today is he is love. God is love, 1 John 4. God has demonstrated his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. God loved us so much that he sent his only son to die for us, that whoever would believe in him, put their trust in him, surrender to him, would not die but have everlasting life. If, if you just contemplated those characters and that attributes of God, you can see why we can trust him. Um, I've included back on the Welcome Center those attributes with Bible verses. We don't have time to go through, but if you wanted a good study for this week, I invite you to, to pick one up. Good devotional for this week. My encouragement for you today is to trust the good, good Father. To trust Jesus as well. To choose 
Jesus today. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.